Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two before we nursed. Listen, Laverne, you shit your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire stuff here on the show from time to time. We also dabble in comedy. and We've been known to sing a bit. The fourth Tuesday of the month gives you the embedded correspondence where I convene a round panel of experts that show up each and every month. Doug Scheiding from Texas, John Silberg from Michigan, and Rusty Monson from Utah make up the panel currently. Still to come on this show, Steve from Lion Energy, and we'll close it out with Sean Walchef from Cali BBQ. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. As we thank Robin for joining us this past segment. She had made mention of some creepy Instagram account. Now, months ago. Could it be a year now already? It could... I mean, definitely months ago. I mean, it could be a year, I guess. But what I'm here to tell you is we have teased. I talked to Robin three hours ago or four hours ago in preparation for this segment. And we agreed that we were going to connect a different way. But whatever. I'm going to let it go. And right at the end, she said, hey, maybe we can finally talk about that Instagram account that we've been teasing months and months and months. Well, we didn't come to that again, so I will now tease it again. Next month, there is a potential opportunity that we will talk about some creepy Instagram account that Robin was going to talk about months and months ago. Uh, We might not get into it, but we might get into it. Who knows? But I will say that out loud. We might talk about it. Here's something I was wondering who was going to notice, and I didn't scroll back through all of the comments. Guy Chisholm writes, green shirt equals no green screen. That's why I could never wear this shirt before. There was no way I was ever going to wear this shirt. I mean, I could wear it, except it would you would just see the neck up. The shirt would blend in with green screen. I would get keyed out in a heartbeat. So that's why we've moved to the completely natural fabric brick. Which I think looks pretty good. I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy with the whole setup. I wish you could see the confidence monitor that I have set up. It's huge. It's a, it's a normal television. I'm just running it out from the tower to the computer. Or to the screen, so if somebody were to come in to uh, this 
portion of the studio, a.k.a. the unfinished basement. They could pull up a chair, slap on some headphones, and then watch the show on television. And then if I have a guest, I can just angle it and they can see the show happening as it is. Because seeing it like this, you know, all, you know, you can see bricks over here and you can see the lights, you know, it's a little unprofessional. Not from the head-on view. It looks very professional, of course. So, without the green screen, I'm free to widen my uh, wardrobe choices, if you will. So, we'll see how that works out. I might be wearing a lot. I had a lot of these, uh, five of these shirts. A red one, a blue one, a gray one, a green one. It's another one that I can't think of right off the top of my head, but it's probably in one of those normal colors. So I can start wearing those now, and it's going to be very exciting. Episode 136, taking you back to August 5th, 2014. This will be coming up Friday on the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show. The most raved about shows in the history of this show have always been competition barbecue roundtables. And the format is simple. I would ask the three top pit masters from each KCBS category to come on the show. And for an hour, they would break down and share the entire recipe technique for cooking whatever protein we were discussing that night. In this episode, we talk brisket with the top three at the time. Donnie Bray from Warren County Pork Choppers. I don't know if he's still competing at this point, but he was a runner-up for team of the year. I think the next year he was actually team of the year. So in his time frame, one of the most successful competition cooks and traveled all over the country to do it, gave some really great classes from what I understand, had a great setup in Kentucky, probably still has a great setup in Kentucky. Jason Ganahl from GQ barbecue was in and rounding out the panel was Jim Elser from sweet smoke Q. Both are currently competing. Jason, a lot more, into the restaurant side of things, but when he can fit it in under a normal calendar year, we'll get some contests in still. What? That's highly unprofessional. It's like highly unprofessional. That's all right. Uh, We go to area code 801. Name and where you're calling from. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Who's this? The Anthony Lujan. The Anthony <laughs> Lujan. What can I do for I you, pal? I was really wondering what happened if you'd call the show live. What would happen? Well, uh, <laughs> first of all, I should have had my Skype on mute, so you wouldn't have heard the Skype tones come in. And then I get a ah. notification that there's a call coming in, and I decide at that very moment, do I want to break format of the take that I'm in and uh, receive the phone call, or... Do I just let it go to voicemail and continue on carrying the show as I normally do? But uh, I no was way, I was encouraged. I was encouraged to pick up the phone, and lo and behold, it's Smoke Ain't No Jokes Pitmaster, the Anthony Luca. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes. So uh, <laughs> uh, did you compete this past weekend, Anthony? I did. You I did. did? All right. And guess what? I beat my son. That's all that matters. Oh, finally. Was it a steak contest or was it a a, a barbecue contest or what? It was an SEA event. Oh, yes, man. it was. I uh, was able to pick up a check as well, too. Took fourth out of 39 teams. So what, is, what does that get that you? Plus. 
What's that? What kind of a check does that get you? 150 bucks, you know, oh, I'm nice. your feedback. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> um, what, uh, I, I, I didn't get the message from Rusty that I was going to be repaying his entry fee. Did you notice a, a large influx of straight up Sears on stakes or no? Actually, I didn't. Um, there's only two Sears stakes that I know of and Rusty was one of them and he did not perform as well as he as expected, and he does not want to talk about it anymore, so we'll just move on from that. All right. Well, that means I'll be making a special note to bring that up in the fourth Tuesday of the month about searing steaks, no doubt about it. Uh, are you going to be competing this coming weekend, Anthony? Um, not this weekend. I'm taking the weekend off, so we're, there's nothing going on around here. So I think the next one's Canab the following weekend. So, How many teams are in that right now? Do you know? Uh, so far, from what I've heard, there's Pushing close to thirty, so we'll see. Right. Well, uh, everybody from the West Coast seems to be rolling in though, because we got Big Papa Smokers coming yes. in. You know, Jerry Aguilar's coming in. I'm looking booty. Sterling Smith is coming in, so Smitty's coming through. So it's going to be a big one. Yeah. All right. Definitely well, heavy hitter. We'll see how that happens. And uh, Anthony, appreciate you calling in tonight. Yeah, not a problem, Greg. We're glad to help you test run. All right. Appreciate. It. There you go. <laughs> I mean, in my defense, I have had calls come in before. <laughs> However, it's not all the time. I do have, remember, I have this guy. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Yeah, so if that's, if you feel compelled to call in, I will put a um a uh, asterisk by if you call in during a guest segment i'm not necessarily averse to that but it's got to all fold in right and i gotta feel really good because i don't have a screener at one point we did have technology that allowed me to have a screener that being john solberg of course the show's main fan but not having a screener not knowing who i'm going to and folding that into a guest, that's a lot of moving parts that could really blow up in my face. And I'm not usually that eager to shit can an interview over a, just to mix in a call. Not usually. I could do it. But I'm not usually in the mood to do it. Rusty Monson just has a number 40 up in the chat. Does that mean you were you finished 40th? I hope not 40. Speaking of Big Papa Smokers, and before we get on over to Steve from Lion Energy, it's a one-stop online shop. Curated selections for only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Big Papa's known for their championship rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. Offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Big Papa's also the owner of the award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. 
Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from the premium selection of both seasonings and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If not a fan of pellet smokers, your prerogative. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. Not sure of what grill you need? You really can't go wrong with anything they're offering out there on BigPapaSmokers.com. If you have any questions, you give them a call at 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are back with Steve DeShazer from Lion Energy. We're going to talk about solar power stuff. Real green conscious lack. Stick around. We'll be right back. Visits from a killer hog, a cooking guy, a man named Meathead, the author of Barbecue Bible, a grill girl, a bristly barbecue journalist, and the male feasance of the barbecue world known as the Embedded Correspondence. Only found right here on the Barbecue Central Show. That's right. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories. And when I say host, I mean a host of accessories. Definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them that the Barbecue Central Show sent you. And to do that immediately. They want to know that you heard about their cooker right here on this show. Okay, out of the shoot this evening, and as I had mentioned at the top of the show, last week I was given some high-level insight into a solar world of power that many of us might want to take a closer look at. The company is Lion Energy. They have products that avid campers, cooks, or folks who spend a lot of time, uh, or, uh, uh, sorry, spend a lot of time outdoors and away from traditional power outlets can all benefit from here to give us some insight and ways to use this product or these products is the director of technology at lion energy we welcome first timer steve DeShazer to the show hey steve for having me uh in and out uh lick your finger and stick it out the window (laughs) is that better uh it sounds like it might be getting a little bit better i appreciate you making time here for the show hey before we get into 
uh, Lion Energy and the products and all that stuff. Uh, a little background about yourself professionally, personally, and then we'll build in from there. Okay. Yeah, just let me know if uh, you can't hear me. Don't move. Um, you sound gold right now. Oh, perfect. Okay. I won't move. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I um, I went to BU and studied electrical engineering. started working at Lion Energy actually right before I did it. And now I've been here uh, seven, going on eight years now. I've worn a few hats during that time, but like you said, at the moment, um, I'm the director of technology. You know, it our website, our internal software and systems and stuff like that. In the past, I've also done engineering work and those sorts of things. And am an avid lover of all things barbecue. Well, that's most important here on the Barbecue Central Show, if you're not an avid lover of all things barbecue. Although, if you uh, can believe it or not, and I don't want to digress too far, but uh, back a number of years ago, one of the most prolific and successful competition cooks on the scene actually hated barbecue. I'm not sure exactly what drew him into the competition barbecue thing, if it was just (laughs) something he thought he could be good at, but I remember asking him, you know, a couple years after we had had our original uh, introduction to each other and he had been on the show, and I said, you know, uh, something in regards to how do you eat it at home or something. He's like, oh, Greg, I absolutely detest barbecue. I won't eat it. And it was completely mind-blowing to me, especially as something as intimate as cooking and especially barbecue. There has to be a passion. Let me rephrase that. You think there would have to be some kind of passion within there or a family bloodline or lineage that kind of draws you in. But uh, evidently, you don't have to like it in order to be one of the best barbecue cooks on the competition scene around. You find that to be uh, surprising, Steve? That is crazy. I can't believe that. Yeah. For me, I'm, you know, I wish everybody had Taco Tuesday. <laughs> um, and uh, I actually made my first brisket just two weekends ago because I got inspired. Uh, Steve, we seem to be breaking up a little bit again. Can you start wandering around and see if we can pick up the cell? I'm often uh, struggling with brisket myself, and I've probably cooked damn near 50. I I think I need to spend more time uh, dedicated to cooking a number of briskets in a row to get the process down. I think I become frustrated with a mediocre brisket, and then I might take a good couple months off before I cook the next one. And instead, I probably should be doubling down and you know, cooking another one the next day and perhaps uh, two or three the following weekend. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds perfect. So uh, from a Lion Energy uh, standpoint, Steve, uh, talk to me about how the company begins. Uh, you know, It's a Genesis story, and then how you got on with them. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, I'm struggling here, man. It's like, uh, it's really bad. So, um, I don't know if there's some other way we can connect or, uh, there's somewhere else you could go. (laughs) I don't know. It's a a pretty bad connection. Yeah. I'm going to terminate on my end. If you want to try and call back in, maybe uh, maybe that'll work a little bit better. I'm not going to sit there and struggle through that, I can tell you. Oh, sir. 
That's too bad. I'm I'm I was all geeked. You know, the one thing that you can't anticipate when it comes to uh, testing phone connections is uh, any type of reliance on text messaging. Because text messaging works no matter what. You could have the crappiest cell phone signal ever, and a text message will get through. However, all right. Only one more time. Only one more time. Steve. Hey, tell me that sounds better. Okay, we're we're good for now. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I was asking you to give us a little Genesis story of uh, Lion Energy. Of course. Yeah, so the original idea of Lion Energy came from people. people and then quickly grew into wanting people to or be able to, you know, energy independence in whatever, wherever situation. And so, you know, one of the things um, that we talked about, I was on the Pitmasters podcast a couple weeks ago, and we talked about how, you know, with a small unit, um, like our Safari LT product that only weighs 10 pounds, you can pick that up and go anywhere, whether it's your backyard in the shade or whether it's camping, um, you know, anywhere you want to go, like a 10-pound unit, my son can carry it around for me. You use enough power that some guys that are going to these competitions can run two smokers all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and, you know, be totally fine, right? So they don't have to worry about having power accessible or any kind of interruptions in power that could ruin a brisket. Um, and so that's really what land energy is about. If power away from small power charge your phone all the way up to a home solar residential or commercial install. Steve, uh, I hate to say this, man, but uh, we are, we're still incredibly choppy. So uh, maybe we can uh, try and circle back uh, next week or week after that. Uh, as much as I, I want to have this conversation, uh, I cannot have that kind of phone connection uh, through no fault of your own either. We don't hold anything against the people from the great city of Utah. I can tell you that. Just ask Rusty and the Anthony Lujan. Perhaps two of your biggest supporters, by the way. They are very geeked about the whole thing. But yeah, uh, poor connection. According to Skype. Thank you for that, Skype. It happens. Again, when you're texting back and forth, everything seems great. Uh, you just never know. Just one of those things. However, I uh, I don't know. We attempt to... Uh, uh, you know, a lesser show would have the guest continue to talk and make the listener suffer through. And I'm not going to uh, do that. No reason to do that. So we'll line Steve back up again at a different time. Because here's here's the, the thought. You know, I was interested when Rusty had talked about it or I prompted him to talk a little bit about it last week and he gave a lot of high level over line energy and uh, gave a lot of personal testimonial to how he was using it 
at his particular competition sites. And I think he has the Safari LT and it had the uh, solar panels that plug into the unit itself to charge it up. But he had said on at least one or two different occasions that even running all the things that he ran, he wasn't able to even tick a bar or two off of the meter. So the thing is eating power. Now, I think where the potential, and this is what I was going to ask Steve about, I think you know where some of the issue or, uh, I don't know, uh, not even confusion lies is uh, when you talk about competitions, some people were wondering, well, is this something that uh, we could get into from a trailer standpoint? And that's where I don't know if it would be uh, able to power a 25 or a 30. I don't even know what the dimensions of trailers, uh, barbecue trailers are, but typically those are running on generators and uh, or they have their own uh, power supply or uh, you have the ship-to-shore power, whatever it is. But, you know, what happens if you aren't on a or you're not at a competition that has that kind of power? Or what if the power goes out? Like, that's something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. Maybe a lot of people aren't talking about it because it just doesn't go out. But you don't want to be in a situation where, especially if you're a team that has a lot of uh, electronic-dependent devices, like if you're a team that just cooks on pellet cookers, well, guess what? You're 100% dependent on power. So if the power goes out at some point during the competition, hopefully you're up and aware. You have a generator that you can just punch on to plug everything in, and you're not losing too much you probably have to re-go through a startup since the power drops out but with a lion energy product from what i understand you're able to plug in and then if the whole competition loses power then who cares you have your power it's not a gasoline powered generator uh, if it doesn't matter that much to you from a, a footprint standpoint a carbon epa or otherwise then uh, I know the Honda generators run uh, super quiet. That's what they're known for. You pay that premium for not having a lot of the sound, but you could also have a completely noiseless operation with a solar product. So uh, we'll line Steve back up again uh, maybe next week, week after that, uh, as it uh, fits into his schedule, and we'll all learn a little bit more about the Lion Energy. One of the other things that I had seen is, uh, let's see. All right, well, he's good for this evening. Um, there was a, uh, where did it go? Oh, cripes. Wait, I sent it to myself. Here it is. Now, I want you to look at the screenshot. You will recall last week I was talking about the horse meat movement. And I had mentioned Diane Mee specifically and said how, you know, during the run of extravagant success of the horse meat movement years, 17, 18, 19, infecting the national level volleyball players in high school all across the country wanting t-shirts and so forth. I had mentioned that during that time, 
and pro horse as she should be, Diane Mee, had self-banned from the show. She didn't agree with my uh, horse meat movement. And uh, to protest, she banned herself from listening to the show. Uh, we've since come together. Uh, we've also not had a horse meat movement this year, particularly because of of what the coronavirus yeah, has really stymied the progress of 2020. But she had sent me some messages last week that I was trying to figure out when I could share these with you, but now seems to be a great time when I'm able to share. So let me cut over here. It says, did I ever tell you the horse meat trophy story? I won a grand championship at a contest where the organizer owns a small Western-themed town. So on the top of the trophy was a gold cowboy and a bucking bronco. After the award ceremony, a random woman came up to me and asked me if I had won the horse meat category. <laughs> because the other first place trophies had a pig, a cow, and a chicken. So she thought I won the horse meat category. To get that message from Diane filled me with glee and delight. It's spectacular. I think it's great that some lady thought that she won the horse meat contest. Like, I mean, I think everybody but that lady knows that horse meat here in the States is 100% illegal. You can't have that. As much as I would like to see it as a legal option, you can't have that. But this lady strolled over to grand champion Diane Mee with her trophy that had some buckaroo and a bucking bronco on top and asked her if she won the horse meat category. Of course she didn't win the horse meat category, you kook. I mean, I wish she did. You know I wish she did. Tell me that wouldn't be a area of complete and utter consternation for Diane Meat. If she won the horse meat portion of a barbecue contest, and again, that will never happen, would she come on the show and talk about how she won the horse meat contest as someone who has in the past self-banned herself from the show? And that would be food for thought, to say the least. I wanted to share that with you. It's a great story. It continues the horse meat movement. I mean, this movement is going nowhere fast, and it's been going nowhere fast for years. So if I can cling to anything, it's that we have built a very small grassroots conversation of bringing up the word horse meat. When my daughters wear their t-shirts to school or the mall, I'm saying this like they're going anywhere, when they could go places, randos would stop them and say, hey, what's with the horse meat shirt? Because you have the horse meat, you know, whatever year it was in the front, then you had the horse butchery uh, chart on the back of the shirt. So people would run up to them and go, hey, what's with the horse? And they would be able to infect, I mean, encourage and enlighten yet another person to help build the momentum of horse meat. It just so happens it's really never caught on. But I'm not going to not try. 
I still maintain this uh, fact of life. When we go to the farm and we run a fence down the middle of the farm, how come, not how come, I know why the dog and the cat are here, but why is also the horse here when if you look over the fence, every other animal ever on the face of the earth is on this other side. We eat and hunt every other animal, or we could if we wanted to. I don't know if, who's eating skunk, but you could say that, and aside from people just going, Ugh. they don't think twice about it otherwise. Squirrel, possum, mouse, rat, cows, chickens, pheasants, you name it. Not the horse. Cats and dogs, fine. There's no way we're eating those. But the horse has made it on the cat and dog side, and I continue to not understand why that is. Nor should anybody try to convince me otherwise. I don't want to hear about it. Am I a... Did I get ahead? Oh, right. Sean Walshev coming up out of the break. Attention, folks, that are in the business of barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside Market. Is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow smoked over real wood. Shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S. From food trucks to multi-chain restaurants, Southside Sausage can be on your menu as well. All meats processed in the on-site USDA inspected facility. A trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options available. Shipping nationwide via the FedEx. Food service distribution channels like Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods also available. Co-packaging capable from research and development to package completion. They can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new. Private label opportunities are also available. We love private label opportunities. Visit SouthsideMarket.com for more information. Get 10% off your online order when you use promo code BBQ Central. All one word, lowercase. That's promo code BBQ Central at checkout when you're visiting southsidemarket.com. Works this time and next time and the time after that all the way through in perpetuity until the deal ends. We're back with Sean from Cali BBQ. Stick around. Be right back. over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Through the grilling season, 
You can get recipes as well as tips and tricks from world champ pitmasters like Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin with mouth-watering flavor and no artificial ingredients. Smithfield Fresh Pork is quite simply some of the finest pork money can buy, trusted by choice of champion pitmasters for use at competitions and at home. That's right. Go to smithfield.com. Email from Bobby Mac Streaming Devices and Tech Reviews. Greg, what knife set do you recommend for cutting meat? Also, love the show. Lead with that first. Love the show. Everything else is secondary. Uh, well, Bobby Mac Streaming Devices. I don't have a substantial knife setup, I guess. But the knife that I have found myself going to more and more is not Sam the Cooking Guy's knife. He wants it to be. It's not. Is a, uh, I think it's an 8-inch chef's knife from Pit Barrel Barbecue. Uh, from, uh, yeah, from the Pit Barrel Cooker Company. Their chef's knife is incredible. Sharp. It's super sexy. Fits in my hand nice. The weight is good. There's so many good things about that knife. I'm not sure exactly how much it is. Somewhere probably between $70 and $100 or something like that. If you go to pitbarrelcooker.com under accessories, there's knives. It isn't the serving kit that has the fork, like the serving fork and the uh, knife. It's straight up just the chef's knife. And I absolutely love it. I use it to cut raw meat. I use it to cut meat to serve, to work up. What I mean, whatever I'm doing, you know, it's it's fun and exciting. So that's the knife that I'm using, Bobby. I'm being honest. All right, uh, coming out of the bullpen this evening is a guy who has been on this show a number of times, and within the time we're currently in, where most are trying to figure it out and pivot, Cali Barbecue has not only pivoted well, but you have said uh, a, a, on a few different occasions that uh, they're probably doing it better than anybody. So let's go ahead and talk to that person right now. It is none other than Sean Walchef from Cali BBQ. Hey, Sean. What's up, Greg? How you doing? I am absolutely great. Appreciate you making time for me this evening here, Sean. And uh, I'm not sure why my shot is all jacked up here. Uh, what am I doing? There we go. All right. I was pushed yeah, in on happened? you there. Yeah. I was pushed in on your pretty face. And so we're going to pull out here for now and chat it up. Uh, as I was just talking about, you know, we're currently in a time, Sean, where most restaurants, whether it's barbecue or medium dining or fine dining or whatever dining, are trying to A, figure it out still, find wherever their pivot point is going to be. Cali Barbecue has not only pivoted well, but you've said on a few different occasions that this is the best business time you have experienced in your Cali barbecue life. Seems completely counter talk to what everybody else is saying in the restaurant world. You're saying this so much so that you're actually in a place where you're looking to expand. How is that possible? You know, it is something you had Stover and I on the show right when coronavirus broke. Yes. And I think it was the first... Well, not I say broke. I mean, it, it really shut down restaurants here in California, United States, across the, the world um, on in March. And we spoke at that time that the coronavirus has 
attack the heart of hospitality. It really is the antithesis of what we do in this business. And the problem that restaurants have that we've had as a full service restaurant is that the, the model's broken. Um, the business model is broken in the fact that in order for us to provide the type of hospitality that we want to give for service, um, Yelp service, we have to have too much labor and that labor leaves very small margins. Um, so for us to expand, we never found it financially feasible to come up with significant amount of capital, um, over a million dollars to produce what we had already built in Spring Valley, which was a 5,700 square foot full service barbecue restaurant and sports bar. Um, we were as successful as we possibly could be, very difficult location in, in San Diego. Um, but that was to our advantage. I mean, opening in 2008 and having nobody come into our, uh, forced us to do things on social media, to do things online that most restaurants that had high traffic volumes didn't have to do. And that set us up for success once coronavirus hit. Uh, Sean, the question is loaded and it's something that we probably can't cover in one segment tonight, but it's worth opening the can of worms for the folks who are maybe barbecue restaurant owners and aren't doing uh, anywhere near as well as you are. We can we could compose a list of reasons we tell ourselves as to why it's tough out there. Uh, the question is simple. How are you doing this and in a position to grow at this point when everybody else is you know, looking for ways to just stay alive? Uh, you're thriving and there has to be some some key factors that you're doing, doing it well, and uh, maybe you can share. I think it comes down to the fact that, that we built it over 12 years, but we were also willing to burn it down to its studs. So we were burn the business down to what is the core components of what we do best. And what we do best is producing slow smoked barbecue, fresh daily, and really eliminating 90% of our menu. We had a breakfast menu on Saturday and Sunday. We eliminated that. We really focused in our day parts. We focused in on our third party delivery. We focused in on the technology that's going to allow us to sell more barbecue. Um, the greatest sales we have the internet. And that's the, that's the honest truth of the matter is the internet doesn't cost us any money outside of the infrastructure that we need to build it. Um, that has been our competitive advantage. So that streamlined menu uh, has really helped our food costs, driven down cost percentage by six points. Um, it's driven down our labor costs by a third. Um, and then talk, talking to prime cost to run your business. And um, for us, it's been very successful in the sense that, that market continue to do what we do, which is content uh, for our website to drive traffic through number one, our website, because then we pay less commissions on third party delivery fees for DoorDash and Uber Eats. Um, but we're still on those delivery platforms because the fact of the matter is people are there and they want food in a safe manner, especially during coronavirus. But even if there was no coronavirus, we live in an Amazon Prime world. And we need to figure out, we can't discriminate how people eat our barbecue. I mean, it's great to have a long line and sell out a barbecue, but if somebody wants to pay for three pounds of smoked brisket because they're having an office party, we should be able to guarantee them that three pounds of smoked it um, ahead of time. And then also be able to put more brisket into the smoker and sell even more brisket to more parts of wherever we're doing commerce. Sean, do you think it's 
solely a mindset of folks that want to continue to try and overcome within this climate and don't want to, as you say, burn it down to the studs or reinvent the wheel in order to be successful? You know, that's a great question. I think it's not just in the barbecue business. I don't think it's just in the restaurant business. I don't think it's just in the bar business. I mean, we live every week. We have a podcast. You've been on the podcast. It's digital hospitality. We live in an offline world and an online world. And tip commerce has been done offline, except digital. If we ignore it in the barbecue space, it's going to be to our detriment because people want things that are easy. And what's, what's the most difficult thing about barbecue? It takes time. You know, it takes time and it takes expertise. So how do you, how do you solve that problem? You solve it by giving people time back, but giving them great barbecue. Um, and how do you do that? You do that through the smartphone. How do you, how do people pay for barbecue and get it delivered to their door or they get it delivered to their work or they, how, wherever they want to eat it, we can't discriminate where they eat it. They can't, we can't just expect them to come into my sports bar and watch, you know, NFL Sunday and enjoy a rack of ribs. Uh, maybe they want to enjoy that at a friend's house. Uh, we need to make that option available for them the easiest way possible. I assume the answer is yes, but uh, do do people concern themselves with there's a uh, increased cost of doing business with these third parties or some of these other online services that they didn't have to contend with otherwise? I think. I think that's a huge problem. I think because the third-party delivery fees are so much, I mean, we're talking anywhere from 20 to 30%, they feel it cost prohibitive. Um, whereas we're not looking at a, at a cost, we're looking at, at an investment, an investment in finding out which third party is actually going to be the winning third party moving forward. Um, the fact of the matter is there's people there doing commerce. It's the same way we feel about social media platforms. So. Some people may love Facebook and that's where they spend most of their time. Some people may love Instagram and that's where they post most of their business Instagram posts. The bottom line is there's people also on Yelp. There's people on Nextdoor. There's people on Twitter. And if you're not there, then the chances that somebody looking for barbecue in your area, they're not going to be thinking about you. So for us, we think that you need to be on all those platforms um, as many as you can. And then you need to use technology to make it easier on the operations. You know, having four different tablets at the restaurant, one for Uber Eats, one for Postmates, one for DoorDash, one for Grubhub. I mean, that's ridiculous because then you have somebody that has to actually punch those in to a POS machine, which takes time. So there's companies out there that are solving that problem. There's multiple companies. We work with Otter, which has been incredible at our, res- our restaurant and has allowed us to literally have one tablet for four different uh, third-party deliveries. Sean Walchev joining me here on the show. CaliBBQ.media is the website, and you can go check his restaurant out, uh, takeout, of course, uh, at the current time over there in Spring Valley. Sean, uh, as we kind of close out and and transition this part of the discussion, do you think that in a year from now, if uh, all this or when all this goes away and we resume whatever normal used to be like, do you think the dining world has changed regardless if we can get back to normal do you think that there will be less of a want of folks to go out to a restaurant and eat in somewhere and that this has changed us to where we're happy now to go somewhere uh, low medium and high end grab it and go 
You know, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I can't read the tea leaves. I know that as humans, we wouldn't be in this business if it wasn't for hospitality. And hu humanity for us is welcoming somebody into our home. I mean, this is a place that, you know, we call my home. My, my wife is there. My kids are there. My, our, our people that have worked there since we opened the restaurant, um, they become family. And do I think that there's going to be a place and time where we will gather again? Absolutely. Um, but that doesn't mean that the business model, meaning before coronavirus, uh, we were doing 70% of our business was in the four walls of our restaurant. 30% was to go and catering. After coronavirus, I would be surprised if it's not 70-30 the other way, wow. that it's to go delivery and 30% dine-in. And that dine-in experience is going to be different. Because if you're not willing to use technology to make ordering easier on people, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to pay servers and bartenders uh, what we pay them, especially here in California, because there's no tip credit. So for us to, to make a profitable business model that's scalable, um, it's very difficult. And, you know, it's something that's not talked about a lot. And I know it's not popular with servers and bartenders, but it's, it's something that's, you know, there's people are the people that need the minimum wage increase the most, the heart of the house in a, in a restaurant, they're the ones that actually suffer the most from all these minimum wage increases because we can't pay them more. Um, we're actually paying everybody more, which makes us pay them less. So we're trying to change that with technology so that we can pay everybody more because we love what we do. And we think that, um, you know, this new digital restaurant, this new way to approach our business, doing what we love, getting craft barbecue out to as many people as possible. I think that um, it's something that's exciting for us, not just for us, but for anyone that listens to your show. And I know you have people all over the world that have barbecue businesses, and it's something that they really need to start taking seriously. Sean, a couple of weeks ago, you had made an announcement that you are in the process of expanding, not in one location or two, but perhaps even up to five different locations. You were looking for input from the fan base on where you should be looking to put the next Cali BBQ place. Uh, where are you in that uh, growth model right now? And are, you know, are there any places that you've nailed down as being a solid next home? Well, I do, I do have some breaking news for you, Greg. All right. Um, only, the for the, only, only, only for the barbecue show. Exclusive Central. news update. All right, Greg, wrap you at the breaking news desk right here in Cleveland, Ohio, throwing it out to Sean Walchef in California for some breaking news. So I have found a vendor to supply 500,000 knives for Sam the Cooking Guy. Thank God. Now we can start printing money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was that number was that no, number out of whack? I mean, my math was pretty okay on that. I mean, I get that it's a big number to finance, but I think you, if you have two million subscribers, you can sell uh, five hundred thousand knives. I guess I don't know. I, Greg, you were you were on the Digital Hospitality Podcast. Your sales background is beyond impressive, and the fact that you would even come up with a number like half a million for. Sam to invest in. I think um, that was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. So no, that that's not the breaking news. The breaking news is that we have signed a deal for our first digital restaurant in San Diego. Wow. Um, we haven't revealed the locate the location yet, but the breaking news is yes, we will be open um, in the next hopefully in the next five weeks. So very quickly, it'll be a two hundred square foot digital restaurant, what they call a ghost restaurant. Hmm. Uh, we like to call it a friendly ghost because we're loud about what we do. And um, we like to call it a branded ghost. So people will know where the barbecue is coming from. Um, but we're going to be slow smoking the barbecue in Spring Valley and then delivering it to our 
digital restaurant, which will help us get it to more people in San Diego. All right, so, so it's you, a very exciting time for us. You're saying a term that I've never heard of before. I'm uh, not going to assume that if I haven't heard of it, nobody else has heard of it. But it seems to be one of those things that could be like the next hot button term that you hear going around. Uh, you've mentioned a term called ghost kitchen. I've never heard of that. Digital restaurant. Uh, that's a, a completely new concept to me or new idea. Um, perhaps not not a new concept, but somebody actually taking it from words and putting it into business is certainly something that I haven't seen before. So uh, I don't know what you are or aren't allowed to explain or reveal in terms of what a ghost kitchen is and a digital restaurant. But if whatever you can elaborate on, I'm certainly uh, would appreciate. Sure. So if you think of a food hall, a food hall typically where, or you can think of a food court in a typical mall where different brands are coming together and it creates an atmosphere where more people want to come and eat because somebody can get not, not tacos from Sam, the cooking guy. And then if we opened up next to him, they could get barbecue. And if uh, another Mexican restaurant opened next to them, then three different people in your same party could get different barbecue um, or different tacos or different Mexican food. Uh, the idea for a food hall is flipped with a ghost kitchen because it's not about bringing people together. It's about focused on third party delivery. So it's in a strategic distribution point within the city based off of search results. Hmm. So if people are searching for fried chicken, then essentially a ghost kitchen might open up in that area um, out of a different concept, which actually could be a virtual kitchen too. Um, so there might be an existing brand, let's call it Cali Comfort Barbecue, and let's say that Grubhub comes to us and says that there's a bunch of people looking for fried chicken in Spring Valley. Um, are you willing to open up a virtual restaurant, a different virtual brand selling, bar, uh, selling uh, fried chicken? Yeah, we would be willing to do that. Um, what we're doing with this ghost kitchen concept is we're going to be with other brands and we're going to be for third party as well as for pickup. Pickup is more profitable for each independent restaurant owner uh, because they don't part pay those third party delivery fees. It's yeah. also more beneficial to the consumer. So you're paying less because you're not paying those um, exorbitant third party delivery fees. So for us, it's kind of a hybrid model. It's different and it's cheap to get into. If we wanted to open up another Cali Comfort Barbecue, we're talking about at least a million, million and a half that we'd have to spend um, for a significant investment. Uh, we'll be able to get into a ghost kitchen for less than $50,000. Uh, these are going to happen all across the United States. They're already happening all across the world. They're huge in India, huge in China. And, um, you know, people are, we live in an Amazon world. So people want great food delivered um, when they want it. And I think that's that's an exciting thing because that means there's a lot of opportunity for anybody that listens to the show that's in the food business. If they start to be curious about ghost kitchens or be curious about these spaces, it's different than a food truck. Food trucks vending. So vending, you're not actually at a fixed location. This is a fixed trade location. So people can actually become regular customers, um, which is what you want in the restaurant business. So are you staffing a portion of like your virtual part of this ghost kitchen or digital restaurant, this is going to be staffed and hired by you guys? Or how does that actually yes. work? Because I think, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a question that leads into if somebody is familiar and a, and a fan of Cali BBQ where you sit now, and then this digital place would be closer to them, are they going to be able to uh, find the consistency in product? 
Absolutely. And I think that's the most exciting part for what we're doing is that it's actually going to be a more consistent product because we're going to be doing all the smoking, all of the food prep, all of the receiving, all of the cooking, all at one location, and then delivering it fresh daily to our ghost kitchen location. Hmm. So it will be staffed with Cali uh, barbecue staff within the actual ghost kitchen. And then when a delivery order happens, then somebody from the expediter will actually bring the food out to the third party delivery. Um, so for us, it's opening another restaurant. It's a very small restaurant. It's a, it's a barbecue baby. Um, but nonetheless, it gets us to a lot more people in San Diego, uh, particularly the Port District and downtown San Diego. Um, it's going to be very exciting for us. Do you see more of these happening versus more of the traditional expansions? At least in the near future, definitely. I mean, I, I, I know there's going to be restaurants, brands, enterprise brands that are going to go out. Um, you already see it happening now that they're purchasing a lot of drive-through locations um, for app purchase deliveries um, where, you know, Chipotle is going. And if you order on the app, then you can drive through the restaurant. Uh, those are becoming a lot more premium than they were before. Uh, the question is what's going to happen, you know, during the next two years with these large-sized restaurants where, you know, really they're built for volume on-premise, not for off-premise. Um, how are they going to be able to pivot? Are they going to be able to open up multiple brands within those four walls? What are they going to be able to do with their lease? Um, a lot of those questions are tough questions that a lot of independent restaurant owners are making and a lot of uh, big restaurant groups are making as well. Sean Walchev joining me here on the show, CaliBBQ.media, the website going into a virtual restaurant or ghost kitchen here in five weeks or so, we'll be anxious to track the progress and get you back on to see how it actually ramps up as it happens. Sean, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. When are you uh, sending me and Sam a lime green barbecue central shirt? You know, uh, did you hear me earlier saying I could never, I've had this thing for like three years. I could just <laughs> never wear it on the show before because I'd get, I get keyed out with the green screen. Now my wardrobe has increased like <laughs> tenfold. It's great. I can wear anything green now where I had to always uh, think about it before. So, uh, you know, in the next cool. couple weeks, is that what you want to hear? Next couple okay. weeks? Yeah. Yes, that's what I want to hear. All right. That's what I want to hear. I look forward to it. All right, Sean. Thanks so much, pal. I, I, I appreciate you. Thanks, Greg. You got it. There he is. Sean Walchef from Cali BBQ. Digital restaurant. Did anybody think that was going to be a term we threw out tonight? Ghost Kitchen? Ghost Kitchen was not on my radar this evening. I got to be honest. He's always into something. That guy. Digital restaurant and ghost kitchens. 50 grand in instead of a million. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Hey, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Malcolm Reed. Remember Malcolm Reed? How to BBQ right? We talked about his crossover into a million YouTube subscribers last couple weeks. 1.02 million right now. Spectacular. Uh, go to How to BBQ Right on YouTube and check out that pork chop sandwich. It looks incredible. I meant to ask him about that, but we ran out of time. Robin Lindars was also on. Uh, her her uh, son, Hunter, made his debut as well, buying games on her old phone. 
We also talked about sheet pan dinners that you might want to try, especially if you have a pellet cooker. Second hour, we talked or attempted to talk with Steve DeShazer. Didn't work out too well with the phone. I'm not sure if that was on my side or his side. But my internet is strong. Hey, whoa, is whoa, Helen. Okay, all right, all right, okay. Guys, everybody relax here. Forgot we hit the top of the hour. That's my fault. We'll start again. Anyway, Steve DeShazer was supposed to be on. We ran into a little phone issue. Again, my internet is strong. My CPUs and GPUs continued to be low. By the way, Malcolm Reed is getting fiber, and I am not. Man, I am one jealous bitch about that. I'll be honest. Closing it out was Sean Walchef from Cali BBQ, CaliBBQ.media. And in a time where people are unable to grow in the restaurant industry, Sean is profiting. He has pivoted well, perhaps better than anybody else. He has all the answers. He can help you get answers, too. I'm sure you'd be happy to consult. On top of opening a virtual restaurant in five weeks. And brick-and-mortar spots here over the next handful of months. Good for you, Sean. We'll keep track and see how it goes. Big show planned for you next Tuesday. Meathead will be back in. He was out because of the move almost a month ago now, if you can believe it. We'll try and reline Steve DeShazer for next week as well. We'll let you know how that goes. Also, the week after that, Stephen Reichlin and Sam the Cooking Guy are in. Plenty of other great first-time guests or recurring, uh, semi-recurring guests coming up as well. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Helen Paradise from SoCal, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show.